This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest TBU podcast. Uh, this is Dustin, and with me today is Scott and BJ, and we are talking today about uh, our main topic, I should say, today is going to be the the Flash trailer that released uh, as we were speaking a day ago. So we're going to be talking about that, but we also have a couple of news updates, and we have some Gunwatch stuff that we're going to discuss as well. So we're going to get into the news updates. Uh, first thing we've got is that um, the Poison Ivy miniseries that has been coming out from DC Comics. Um, interestingly, when it first was announced, it was a miniseries. It was only supposed to be six issues. And then I think it was like four issues in, they announced it was actually going to be a uh, maxi series and be extended to 12 issues. And now they've decided that it's no longer a maxi series. It's going to be an ongoing. So it's not going to end. It's going to keep going. Uh, June will be issue number 13. Um, for the series and it'll just continue on. I can say um, I it's there's two things that I have to comment on this. One, I have not been I have not been reading the series nor have we been reviewing it on the website because I was anticipating it being a mini series and then a maxi series which we would review as a collected form. Um, so I haven't been following along, but it must be good um to the point where it's getting extended into a uh, full on ongoing series so there's that but the other side of it is i can honestly say that I, there, it has been quite some time since we've seen a series mold from a mini series into a maxi series um in general and then even then from a maxi series to an ongoing i can't honestly think of the last time i've seen a maxi series get into get made into a ongoing um, I think that one of the Super Sun series did that, but that would have been ages ago, and I honestly can't remember. But um, I, I have to wonder if the popularity of Poison Ivy, I mean, obviously she's not popping up anywhere else except for in the Harley Quinn animated series. Um, so the question is, what is the what, what's the driving part of this character being as popular as she is to have this like jump from mini to a maxi to an ongoing all within a year. So uh, I really, I wonder if she's part of this kind of piggybacking off the success of Harley, where now she's so poison. Ivy so interlinked with Harley that they're kind of, they're weaving together. And now poison Ivy, <coughs> Harley's a, kind of a superstar character now. And 
Poison Ivy's always popping up wherever Harley is. So I wonder if they're kind of maybe picking back off of that. And now the Harley fans have become Poison Ivy fans. And I wonder if that's the reason why this is now a um, <clears throat> went from a mini to a maxi now to an ongoing. I will say it's it's an interesting thing because even in the Harley Quinn series, she was having such a huge role in the Harley Quinn series itself. And with the new... Uh, version of the series that just hit like issue 25, 26 um, recently, the, Poison Ivy really hasn't had a focus. They've been focusing on other aspects of, of the character. Um, a lot of Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn's relationship hasn't really even been seen since, I mean, honestly, the last time we really saw it was Heroes of, uh, or uh, what was it? Heroes uh, of Crisis or In Crisis or whatever. Heroes in Crisis. Yes, Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. Um, when it was Heroes in Crisis, um, that was the last time we saw anything. And they kind of like broke up and they were like, we got to go do our own thing for a little bit. So it's just, it, I think it's interesting because don't get me wrong. I like the I like the character of Poison Ivy. She obviously pops up here and there and some other bad books. But it's very odd that the character has basically grown into a character like there and I say this because there's not very many villains within the Bat family that can actually carry an ongoing in general. The Joker has done it. Um the Joker was the first one that did it way back when in the seventies and then but it was only for less than twelve issues. And then more recently with James Tynion doing the Joker series, it happened again. And they've had other ones. Harley Quinn has obviously been a very popular one who's had multiple series at this point, um, and multiple mini series and things like that. But an ongoing is not something that's super common for a lot of these characters. So for Poison Ivy, it kind of it put it, it almost like pushes her up into upper echelon of Bat villains. Has Batman popped up in any of that? I haven't read it. I don't know if yeah, you, I, if you know. I, I have not read it either, so I, I can't speak to whether or not I whether or not he's popped up. Um, I honestly don't. E- and I, I'm, I'm being completely honest here. I don't even know what the actual story was because I didn't think it had. Yeah, I am. If I remember correctly, I don't think it was an origin story or anything like that. I don't think it was like spinning out of anything that existed. So I can't say for sure, but I haven't heard anything bad. But then again, I haven't really seen anything, you know, a lot of people talking about it at all. So I don't really know what the reason would be around it, but we'll see what happens. All right. So the next thing we've got is that there was a trailer for a new animated film that's coming out. This is kind of one of those um, WB animations that's not part of the mainstream animation stuff that comes out, but kind of like the offshoot things that we see every once in a great while. Um, Last year, I guess, the one that came out was Catwoman Hunted, which was a different animation style not pertaining to anything else that was out there. And this time around, what we've got is... It's almost like we're going back to the to the anime style that we kind of saw with Batman Ninja, and that was obviously a little while ago. But uh, if you remember, if you read a lot of comics, you may have remembered that there was a Justice League RWBY, I believe they just say Ruby, um, crossover series that happened... Uh, a while back, there was a, it was a mini series, and I think there was actually a sequel as well. I remember reporting about it when the first series came out, but because it was more of a Justice League book, and we kind of held off on covering a lot of Justice League stuff, we didn't really cover it as much over on the site. 
uh, but I remember it. And this new trailer, I can't say without with any certainty that it's adapting any of those previous miniseries, but it's clearly using the same characters that were part of the crossover that occurred. And it's a very different and unique animation style because it is kind of like that scratchier anime that uh, you know we don't see very often in, in normal animation stuff we see here in the States. Um, and it's kind of a crazy storyline. So the idea is that the DC heroes are de-aged to like teenagers and brought to a separate universe where they have to help these other characters from the Ruby uh, universe defeat these like shadow monster type characters. Um, that's basically what I gathered. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. And I'm sure if you're a fan of Ruby or RYW or RWBY, uh, you're probably, you know, getting pissed at me right now because I'm downplaying the importance of your characters. I apologize, but I don't know anything about them. Um, this film, I mean, I'll watch it when it comes out and we'll definitely talk, we'll chat about it here on the podcast. I don't know that we'll do a full on, you know, breakdown of the, po- of the, of the film when it comes out, but, um, it looks it looks interesting. It's definitely a different take, and it's going for a different type of audience. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I had I had no idea what was going on with the trailer, so I'll join you if uh, any of these uh, this fan group uh, comes at us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it looked like uh, I don't know. To me, it looked like it was like a Legend of Zelda type thing. Just that's me yep. throwing it throwing yep. back to uh, like that type of kind of style and whatever was going on. So yeah, I'll watch the movie maybe. Maybe I'll get into it. I don't know, but I'll, I'm going for the obviously the DC characters. Yeah, we saw Batman in it for two seconds. Uh, I actually, as we, as I was watching through the trailer, I I thought he might not even even be in the film because Same. all the group shots and the references of the characters it was everybody but Batman until the end when they're like, I can't believe you have a guy named Batman in your group. And then he shows up with yeah. the wings, and that's like about the only time he actually shows up. So yeah, I, I was only more of a focus on Wonder Woman and Superman, and the Vixen was in it, and yep. Cyborg. But yeah, I, I was waiting for Batman, and then he came at that end. All right, so then uh, the last bit of news that we've got is just a quick update. Um, it regards the Harley Quinn animated series. A couple episodes ago, I think it was. I think we were talking about either our hopes for the future of um, the DC universe with DC studios, or it was last week when we were talking about what they announced. Uh, but one of the things that we said was we weren't sure what was going to happen with Harley Quinn and uh, the Harley Quinn animated series, because they hadn't really talked about it or mentioned it in any of the announcements related to DC studios. Interestingly, um, again, I clearly wasn't following along with all the news because the series did get picked up for a series for a season four, which is currently in production right now. Uh, this specific week, um, there's a Valentine's Day special, which I did mention um, that's coming, and then they have the Kite Man series, uh, the Kite Man sp- uh, spinoff series as well that's coming. But um, they were talking about that season four is is definitely already amongst you know on on the way of getting created um we're probably not going to see it before the end of this year um that's also probably one of the reasons why the valentine's day special is kind of like breaking up the uh the time frame in between the seasons 
um, outside of the fact that it's a Valentine's Day special and just happens to work. I'd like to see more series do that kind of thing, especially with streaming, where they can do like the specials in between, um, especially for other holidays, and give them more time to produce the additional seasons. Because I think that, obviously, a lot of time has to go in to making the different seasons, but I don't want... It feels like the shows, they lose interest or there's so much time that passes. It's hard to keep that momentum of like the popularity of a show when you have like a year and a half in between seasons. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, Harley is a that's a pretty good show. And it's um, I do love uh, I can't imagine that it's expensive to make really because it's not like incredibly fancy animation, but it is it is very entertaining and um I always, I always enjoy a watch. I've never heard really anybody say any bad things about it. It's a good show. I really like it. But I think, like, since the quality's there, I don't think the time length or, you know, the length between seasons is really that big of an issue. I always look back to Venture Brothers as kind of like a case study where, the, where every two to three years they'll come up with a new season. I mean, that show's been going on for over 10 years, and they only have... Uh, no, maybe like 15 years, 20 years even, but it only has like seven seasons or something like that, and the creators are really slow, but like the quality is there, so, you know, if Harley Quinn disappears for a year, year and a half, I feel like once it comes back, like that audience is going to wake up, and you know, as long as the quality is there, it's going to have that fervor, it's going to be kind of a perennial you're probably not wrong. I mean, I, I know that there's a dedicated fan base there. Uh, the character is obviously very popular. So, anyway, season four is happening. Uh, I will say I'm kind of more interested in the Kite Man series just because it's such a weird idea and premise of a show. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, at some point, maybe we'll go back through. I mean, I, I keep saying, you know, at some point we'll do this and some point we'll do that. And there's always new things that pop up that keep us from doing those kind of things. But that being said, um, real quick, before we get into our gun watch and then our main discussion for the episode, there was a listener comment, uh, Spiderboy N2Jesus on um, YouTube uh, posted a comment related to Black Adam. And I think it was... I think it was from two episodes ago when we were talking about uh, Black Adam and the lack of future of Black Adam in the DC universe and things like that. And the topic that we were specifically talking about was, I think we were reading uh, Dwayne Johnson's comments about not being involved with Black Adam going forward or, you know, for the time being, not be involved. And he said that he was very happy about his... Um, you know, being able to bring this passion project that he's been working on for 14 years to the fans, blah, blah, blah. And I, at the time I said, I think it's a little interesting that uh, he's saying he's been involved with this potentially for 14 years. And coincidentally, around the time that um, 14 years ago, he was talking, you know, we, we see black Adam kind of being reimagined as like an anti-hero and, uh, the comment that uh, Spider-Boy left was pretty sure Black Adam has been an anti-hero long before the New 52, all the way back in Infinite Crisis, specifically Countdown in the 2000s. That's more like 20 years. Um, so I, I 
I was kind of wondering about this because I knew that the majority of what we saw in Black Adam was kind of the new 52 version of Black Adam that was presented. And I can tell you, with from my own perspective, I'm not super familiar with the big events that were happening with Countdown and Infant Crisis and those things because I started the website and the podcast um, in 2008. And at the time, I was strictly just D- just Batman stuff. There wasn't any DC stuff that we were covering. There was enough Batman stuff with everything that Grant Morrison was doing at the time to not have to worry about anything that was DC-related, even though Batman was involved in a lot of the different things. Um, so I went back and I looked, and there's two different histories of the character. There's the New Earth version of, of uh, Black Adam, and then there's the Prime Earth version of Black Adam. And the New Earth version is the version that existed before the New 52. And when I read the character history for that character, interestingly, it says that around 2008, during Infant Crisis, specifically in Countdown, the character was starting to become more of a anti-hero and was... Uh, you know, kind of being reimagined. And a lot of that had to do with the uh, Jeff Johns being involved in the stuff that was going on with the character and things like that. Coincidentally, we know Jeff Johns had a big hand in a lot of the stuff, at least in the early side of DC films. Um, and then when the New 52 came on, he was directly related with Shazam in that regard too, or Black Adam and Shazam. And we saw, again, even more of the character kind of being reimagined as this anti-hero. So while I have no problem admitting, yes, it has been some time, when you look at how long it's actually been, it has been roughly 14 years since that character started to get reimagined as an anti-hero. And I still hold to my comment of it just seems weirdly convenient that The Rock is saying that for 14 years he was involved with the potential of this character coming to the big screen. And coincidentally, 14 years before he made that comment was when this character was being reimagined as an anti-hero. So I stick by that comment. But Spider-Boy, thank you for the comments. And I encourage you to leave more comments to, you know, find the... Find the things that I, I mess up on because I, I do that a lot. So, all right. So then, jumping over to Gunwatch. Um, obviously, with last week's big news of all of the slate, there hasn't been anywhere near as much uh, Gunwatch stuff. But that doesn't mean there isn't some. Uh, so the first thing we've got is that there was um, a very interesting Twitter exchange. Um, people were talking. Uh, people mentioned to James Gunn, you know, what's going to happen with. Uh, the Snyderverse, what's going to, you know, are we going to create an Elseworlds where it's the Snyderverse? And he basically said um, there was a hashtag that was like save the Snyderverse or something like that. And he basically replied to somebody saying, I have to say this has to be the wackiest hashtag ever since um, one Netflix hasn't, or I know there, there was people saying that they should restore the Snyderverse, but sell it off to Netflix because Netflix would be greatly interested in it. And he basically replied and said, Netflix hasn't expressed any such interest, although we have discussed other stuff. Um, and then he said that uh, Zach hasn't expressed any interest and seems to be happy doing what he's doing. And yes, we have talked. So again, it lays in that 
Zack Snyder, I think he's checked out. He's he's done. He got his Snyder verse uh, version, the Snyder cut that he wanted, um, that the studio did put more money into so that he could release it. And I think he's content. Uh, he, as far as we all know, he's world building over at Netflix with his zombie movies and who knows what else he's got cooking over there. But um, hopefully that puts a lot of the Snyderverse stuff to a rest for the time being. It'll never go to a rest. They'll never <laughs> stop. <laughs> They're like the Terminator. They his- don't eat. They don't sleep. <laughs> they don't feel pain. Because they're bots. <laughs> That's true. I thought it was interesting that Gunn said that he that he, uh, they have had talks to Netflix, but I was not, I'm not about Snyder stuff, but just in general. I thought that was kind of interesting. I think that might have more to do with like, well, I mean, obviously Sandman's Sandman over there. Sandman stuff, yeah. yeah. So maybe they're looking at expanding that over there, or maybe they're looking at incorporating maybe some other stuff, um, you know, with other streaming partners where it's not necessarily fitting into the mainstream DC universe, which will, which seems like it would make more sense for it to be specifically at HBO max or whatever it ends up becoming. Um, that said, um, I, I, there, I guess this isn't, well, this is related to what I was just mentioning, but, um, there HBO max has been, there, there's been talks for at least, last six months that HBO Max and Discovery Plus were going to be merging merging together to create a new service. Warner Brothers Discovery was going to rebrand HBO Max as something new, and it wasn't going to have the word HBO in it, um, but nobody really knew what it was. So the last rumors that we heard back in December was that it was going to be called Max, and they were working that out. And then just this past week, there was a report that came out saying that uh, they've kind of They've kind of uh, stepped back on the idea of like making one large streaming plan or pro, uh, service specifically because they don't believe the people who are paying for Discovery Plus are going to want to jump up uh, like $10 for their service so that they can have a bunch of new content that they have over at HBO Max. So they're keeping Discovery Plus separate for at least the time being while still creating whatever they're creating. I still think a rebrand would be fine. I I'm not I like Max better than HBO Max because I never really thought that the HBO part needed to be there. Um, but that that has really little to do with DC, more to do with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery business stuff. But um, the next bit of news that we've got is that there was a rumor. <laughs> Scott, you can enlighten us a little bit more because you shared this on the. Uh, on the chats and quite honestly, I had no idea about this until you brought it up in the, in our chat. Um, but there's a rumor regarding George Clooney. Oh yeah. So there was a meme going around. I can't remember. Someone said, someone posted a picture and it was like Val Kilmer, George Clooney and Christian Bale. They're, they're Batman, they're bat selves. And basically saying one of these people in this picture is, going to be in the new ending to the flash movie that's basically kind of the quick quick notes of it and so the internet kind of mined it as they do you know not very lackadaisically just jumping to conclusions and it evolved into this rumor of um the batman that appears at the end of the flash is george clooney and he will be the one going forward into the new you know dcu brave and the bold movie so that was 
you know, that was the, it started getting some momentum because for whatever reason, obviously Val Kilmer can't do it because of his cancer, but for whatever reason, everyone, most people tended to overlook Christian Bale in that picture and just jump straight to George Clooney. Maybe it was a joke. Maybe it was just trolling. I don't know, but it became a, a sensation for a night or two there. Which is crazy to me because I don't know why anybody in their right mind would think that George Clooney, uh, where he's at right now, would want to become Batman again. Um, I mean, he's directing films, he's starring in some films here and there, but he's doing a lot more stuff behind the scenes. Um, and I just, I don't understand. So, uh, very interestingly, some people posed the question to James Gunn. He said, absolutely not. Um, and to a question that said, is it true you're casting George Clooney as the main DCU Batman? Um, and then somebody else asked, does this mean we're getting an actor who's already been Batman or we're getting a new actor altogether? And he said, new actor. Now, the question is, do you think it is likely that we could see the new actor cast as Batman show up at the end of Flash, given we were already under the assumption that there was going to be, you know, things that were going to change at the end of Flash anyway? Do you think it's likely that we could see a different Batman being cast and actually appear at the end of the film? I think no. And the reason why I think that is because they just announced this whole slate and I feel like a lot of it's still in the very early stages. So at most we might get like boots or an outline or like a silhouette of Batman or something and they leave it really vague like that. And that's just what people are left with if if that's the route they choose, which I think would be kind of a crappy ending and just like some weird tease. But um I'm going to lean towards no, just because everything was just announced and they need time to figure out what they're going to do. And like, you know, I'm sure they've already started vetting some actors and it's very hush hush. But like, you know, it it doesn't other than the angle they want to take, there's really it doesn't seem like there's a lot out there. And it seems like everything James Gunn's been tweeting has been directed more so to like overarching world building you know this 10-year plan and he revealed the first couple years kind of thing and like he finished his writing his superman movie script and like you know seems like they're now just getting into like the next steps beyond that to like maybe they're starting to think about batman yeah i would agree that um i would lean towards no uh because like scott said like they just announced everything and if they do already have an actor picked as Batman, then geez, they can keep secrets. Like uh, they give them all the secrets, they'll keep them. But yeah, they haven't. Re- they didn't announce a date on that. The Brave and the Bold movie, really, because they only really did for Superman. So I feel that it's very early stages of like pre-development or whatever. I wouldn't say they. I don't want them to rush to pick a new Batman just to stick them at the end of Flash. I would rather have them take their time. I would agree that it's unlikely we're going to see the new Batman, but I do feel as if there is enough time. Uh, think about how quickly that Henry Cavell scene came together last minute for Black Adam. Um, they were saying that that film got filmed like six weeks before um, the film actually released in theaters. So it's entirely possible that something could be it could happen, uh, but it's unlikely. Um, I think it's actually more likely that the new Superman shows up at the end of The Flash, um, especially because at that point, it'll be two years out from the new movie. you got to believe that the film is going to be going into production this specific year, um, you know, even if it's 
not toward until later on. They're, they they they've got to get the ball rolling if they're going to have a film in theaters in July of 2025. Would you, know, you think that it's kind of like a like an actor we would know, like because they can't really get like some no name guy and just have him be in a Superman suit? No one would be like, who the hell is this guy? Someone like a, like a known actor. You I know what I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't know that they would. And I, I and I say that in the past they've always gone. It seems like with a younger actor um, for Superman, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you look at like even like Brandon Routh for Superman Returns, and then you look at uh, Henry Cavill, neither one of them were very big names when they got cast. So I don't know that it's entirely important for them to be a big name. Um, but I do feel as if. I mean, they don't have to go super young, but if they're going to have somebody who's going to be around for at least 10 years, they're not going to go with somebody who's like in their 40s. So I can't imagine them being too established. And I, and I don't want to sit here and fan cast because I don't, I don't know enough uh, young male actors that fit the build or fit the bill of Superman to sit here and try to figure that out. But I do feel like, they do not need to go with a big name. No, well, and they might go back to formula with the whole reason why they picked Christopher Reeves in the first place is they wanted Superman to be the identity first and not the actor because they went through a whole slew of famous people. Yeah. But I was just thinking, what if the ending is Henry Cavill driving a green car really fast and he goes off a ledge and the new Superman picks up the car. That would be a, that would be a twist. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the twist there was going to be, it was going to be a kryptonite car. I thought, that, I thought that was your twist. I'm just going off the original cover. That's all. <laughs> there you go. All right. So then our last bit of gun watch news is um, there was an interview that came out with, uh, with variety speaking with Leslie Grace about the Batgirl film. And to to basically wrap up everything that she said, she she seemed to be responding to some of the comments recently that Peter Saffron made last week about how the film, as it was, was unreleasable. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the film was canceled. And she kind of seemed to get a little defensive about it and said that what she saw looked incredible. Uh, the version that she, of the film that she saw was still incomplete because they were still in the process of editing and there was a lot of VFX that had not been completed. But she kind of seemed like she was a little pissed about the comments that were made, um, going as far as saying um, there they did meetings with – she specifically had meetings with the Warner Brothers film CEOs and they told her why this was happening. It had nothing to do really with the film being bad or anything like that. It just was a business decision and it needed to work out that way. Um, more specifically, and the reason why I think Peter Saffer made those comments, I think they're being misinterpreted. Um, and I think we talked about this last week when we when we mentioned his comments. I don't think it's necessarily that the film was horrible or unreleasable in the sense that it would have been a huge flop. I think it I think what they're meaning when they say it's it was unreleasable was that there wasn't a way to make it work within the confines of what their plans are. If it could work, they may they probably would have let it work. However, you also have to think to yourself, Peter Saffer and James Gunn, they didn't come on board until months after the film had already been canceled. But 
there has to be some other purpose, which is they had to been thinking about what are we going to do? And if you are putting all your eggs in the basket of, well, Michael Keaton's going to be your Batman going forward, that's what we set up in the flash. And then in turn, we've got this Batgirl that doesn't really have a connection to Batman. I think somebody had to have said to somebody, Hey, we're getting a really far away from the source material here. Um, which is part of the reason why some of these films have not done very well. I don't think it's that it was a horrible film. Um, Birds of Prey was not great, but it wasn't a horrible film. Um, It was just fine. It was fine for what it was. But I think the biggest problem with Birds, like the way Birds of Prey was put together was that it didn't really feel like a comic book film. It felt like we're just throwing comic book characters in a film. Um, And I think that's the problem that could have been happening with Batgirl, but not necessarily to discount it as the people behind the film or the actors or the crew. Anybody who was involved in the making of the film was doing a poor job. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it was more of a, there was no way to really make this make sense in the larger scheme of what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, I think realistically we're never going to know. You know, but I, you know, Otto did point out last time that part of uh, Saffron's comments were like, if this was released, this could hurt people like involved in the creation of it. Yeah. So whatever that means, you know, like, but I don't think we'll ever know. I mean, I feel bad because a lot of people poured a lot of energy into it, you know, obviously, and they're very excited about it. And it's kind of, you know, un- embarrassing is not the word, but just, it, you know, you feel bad because so much hype and talk went into it and i honestly feel like a lot of the comments coming out maybe are just to kind of downplay it and kick away you know because you had a little bubble brewing of not quite released the snyder cut but a batgirl equivalent in a smaller way that was kind of bubbling to the surface and riding the internet and i'm sure warner brothers doesn't want to deal with that again yeah i don't blame her for being a little uh uh ticked off at those comments because i guess i mean I don't like you said. I don't think it was going to be like a total train wreck or like a disaster movie. But I think it would have been fine, like you said. But maybe when in the comic book community, fine is really to the crazy comic book fans, fine isn't good enough, you know. So yeah, I don't blame her for being mad. Maybe Saffron could have chose his words a little better, but that's what it is. All right, so that's going to get us to our main topic of the night, which is the Flash trailer. So. If you're not from the U.S., um, and I know there are some of our listeners who are outside the U.S., the Super Bowl, which is uh, the American Football Championship, um, the big one, NFL, um, was yesterday. And we knew going into the Super Bowl that DC slash Warner Brothers was going to have a spot during the Super Bowl, which was the first time that Warner Brothers has actually bought a spot in, I believe, in over a decade um, because it's expensive. It's like $3.5 million or something for like 30 seconds. Um, it's it's an insane amount of money, and when you think about the amount of marketing that goes into things in general, that's that's an insane amount of money to put towards the marketing of any project, regardless of what it is. Um, that said, we knew that Flash was going to be the one that was going to be getting a spot during the actual Super Bowl, and then we assumed that the spot would lead you to go check out the trailer because that typically is what happens when they ever, whenever there's a Super Bowl spot, they show a brief snippet, they get people interested and it says, check out the full trailer online. That happens with a bunch of movies every year. So 
the the big thing is there was a 30 second spot which was a lot of the exact same thing that you'll see in the trailer but there was a couple of extra scenes um, that we'll get to and then the trailer itself released online at the same time and or a little bit before that and the trailer showcased a lot of what we can expect um let's see the the biggest and easiest way to describe what's happening is they are full-on going flashpoint that's the best way to put it um flashpoint is in fact what they're adapting and it, it makes sense because some of the things we've heard is that one uh flashpoint or the flash film sets up the future of the dc universe we assumed this was going to be the case because of the events of flashpoint um but the film, it's the the trailer itself showcases like very very specific things that are occurring, including the reason why Supergirl is in the film, uh, to a degree why Michael Keaton's Batman's in the film, um, that kind of play into the idea of Flashpoint. It's not like a direct adaptation, obviously. It's going to be it is to a degree adapted, um, but it is very much Flashpoint. Uh, immediately when you saw the trailer, what stuck out for you guys? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it felt like DC really wanted to have an Avengers like film. And this very much looked like that. It was very action heavy. And, you know, it seemed like, like there was a core narrative at the heart of it, driving it forward. But like, it just felt like this was their all in, team up blockbuster so i i guess i've been one of of mind of saying let's just kind of get this film out there and move on but this trailer kind of turned me around to where now i am excited for i did think the trailer was very well done i'm obviously flash is probably my favorite non um bat family character and uh more i'm more of a wally west guy but uh i'll flash is flash and i think you know, the Ezra Miller situation aside, I've never been a big fan of his version of Barry Allen, but I can already tell I'm going to get annoyed by um, the two Barrys. They're just going Barry, Barry, Barry back and forth to each other. I can tell there's going to be a scene like that. But obviously Keaton kind of stole the show. Awesome to see him back. Had the music. You know, the Super Bowl spot had the Batmobile. So that kind of that kind of brought me back in. Yeah, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, Batman did steal the show. Um, this is almost, it feels like, at least from a marketing standpoint, they're heavily focusing on Batman more so than The Flash. Um, there's very little Flash actually in costume, in actually doing things. There was a lot more of Batman. There was a lot more of the action sequences featuring Batman. And not just Michael Keaton's Batman. Ben Affleck's Batman shows up as well. Uh, ben Affleck himself shows up as Bruce Wayne. There's a lot of focus on the Flash having a connection to these other characters within the DC universe. Um, so, for those of you who don't, who have not read Flashpoint, uh, one, please do because it's a great story. Um, I am adamant against a lot of the crossovers that DC does, but Flashpoint by far was probably one of the best crossovers that they ever did. It probably only sits uh, lower on most lists because it introduced the New 52, which I know a lot of hardcore fans really hated. Um, Flashpoint was an amazing story uh, that basically 
Barry goes back in time to stop the murder of his mother. Uh, when he tries to go forward in time back to the present, he actually is on a new timeline. Um, in this film, it seems as if he's traveling back and he gets to the timeline. He experiences the fact that his mother's still alive, but he is alive as well, and he's present in the actual film. So that is the reason why there's two berries. It seems as if one of the things that happens in the film, uh, because of his meddling with the timelines, is that there's no metahumans in the universe when he goes back, when he goes forward into time. So at some point, they're trying to figure out, I don't know, uh, what to do. And it seems as if they go to Michael Keaton's Batman. Um, it seems like the events of Man of Steel, where General Zod, so Michael Shanahan, is returning as Zod, he is attacking as he did in Man of Steel. However, now there's no metahumans to stop Zod. Um, so it looks like they go seeking out someone to help. They come across Batman. In the process of coming across Batman, um, it seems like they're going on a search for somebody else who ends up being... Supergirl, but Supergirl is the equivalent of how Batman, or not Batman, how Superman is portrayed in the actual um, story in the in the comic source material, where Superman was found by the government and kept in a bunker away from the sun so that he wouldn't have his the the powers that he gets from the radiation from the sun. So they find her, they get her to basically team up with them to take down Zod. And that's all we know. We don't know anything else. I have a feeling that there's going to be way more to the story than just Zod because it just doesn't make any sense for Zod to be the, the big old bad for the entire film. There has to be something more to this, and it seems like if it's a Flash film, you have to have something more to it than just a Superman villain, a Batman, you know, a you know Batman and a Supergirl. It doesn't make any sense for the Flash to not have a, at least some sort of Flash villain pop up. So, well, go ahead. We have that though. The the toy leaks that came out um, for like the action figure lines. There is a Dark Flash toy. So, is the Dark Flash this version of the Reverse Flash, or is it something else? My. I kind of wonder if it's going to go into the whole... Remember how they created, like, Doomsday and everything in Batman vs. Superman? I wonder if it's going to, like, lean on that, whatever happened there. I don't know. I mean, that's just a best guess, you know, and, and who knows. So the other things that obviously... So let's talk about Michael Keaton's Batman. Um, for a guy who's as old as he is, he's jumping around like crazy. Um, I have Way this, better than he was in 89. Exactly. Uh, he's got way better technology for his suit this time around. Yeah. Um, I will say it's interesting because I have to actually wonder if he's actually going to take off the cowl at any point. Um, you assume he will, but are they really going to reveal that this guy is as old as he is and he's jumping around the way he is? Because I don't know that that would be entirely believable. I mean, the action sequence where he like jumps down and like, does the whole like Affleck takedown? Um, that that's not a guy who's seventy years old. Yeah, I, I so there were some set photos that released where they showed him. He had a I think he had like a wig on or something, and like I heard they're going to de-age him to where he's in his fifties and then like okay. seventy, which Michael Keaton is. So I did see that. I mean, 
I don't I, like again that was just like an internet article from way back so who knows but I'm kind of leaning maybe that's what we're going to see the only thing I would say though is like it felt like they showed a lot of those action scenes but I felt like his appearance was kind of like goofy to me and not in like a oh I'm going to like this in like a oh no I'm kind of worried way just because the first thing we see we hear is yeah I'm Batman and like I don't know that rubbed me the wrong way it was kind of one of those wink wink nudge nudge look at the camera like hey guys you know and it just I don't know it gave me bad vibes I feel like this is going to be like um, just it's just going to be extra campy I don't know yeah, that I would go as far as campy, does. but yeah. yeah, he does like a little smirk where it's it's kind of maybe that's like just for the trailer, and then in the movie it'll be a little more serious. But he does kind of smirk a little, and that is kind of unlike the key in Batman. I think the other unless he's sticking thing, di- unless he's sticking dynamite down uh, guys' pants. Yeah. And I think I, I think the huge difference between this version of Batman and at least the version of the '89 Batman is that we see him in the daylight, like, more than anything. I mean, like, we've never really seen this version of Batman out in the daylight. He's always in the dark. It's always nighttime. And in this trailer, it's like anytime he's out of a building, he is in the daylight, which is crazy. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously it seems there's going to be a big aerial battle near the end, and there's, you know, who knows? But <laughs> I, and that, that was kind of a little worrying to me because it made me think of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I guess. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> when Harrison Ford came back and they're like, you're a teacher? Part-time, you know, <laughs> like that. And I'm like, God damn. <laughs> One of the things I remember hearing about was when they cast Supergirl, I think a lot of people were like, wait, she doesn't fit the bill of like a blonde. I don't know that it really makes a difference. I don't know that I... There was some talk online immediately about like, okay, so is this a Supergirl who's going to appear in the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow movie that they're putting together? And I think that it's entirely possible it could be her down the line, depending on the you know the reaction that the actress, that the, the role gets from the Flash film. Um but I also obviously feel like they could easily recast because of what, however they want to do it. I do think it's interesting because her haircut is very much almost like Clark Kent. Um, you know, it's she's got dark hair. It's very short. Um, and you can chalk that up to whatever you want as far as like, oh, well, of course, she was a prisoner. They keep her hair short or whatever. But ultimately, it, it almost feels like it's just a version of Superman and it's just a female of Superman and it's not necessarily going to play a big factor that she is Supergirl or she's not Superman. I don't know that that's really going to make a huge difference. Yeah, I thought she was kind of, um, if Keaton's Batman was number one, she was kind of number two which is kind of, I don't know what that says about the Flash that our favorite parts of the, my favorite part of the trailer was Batman and Supergirl but yeah, she looks, she looks cool in there. I kind of liked her suit. I mean, who knows if She's going to be um, in Woman of Tomorrow, but Gun Gun's been hyping this movie up uh, the whole way, and I wonder. I know he's kind of he likes a director, but I wonder if he if he likes her as Supergirl, if he is going to keep her on. Yeah, I mean it's a good question. I mean, you know, hopefully, I mean now that we have it, like why not just 
keep what you can, especially since this is like, I think the hard thing is that since this is like the ending of, you know, all the DCEU, you know, the final nail in the coffin, might as well save something from it and carry it forward. Cause I doubt, you know, the Ezra Miller thing's going to continue with all the allegations and all the rabbit hole that people who are listening to this can go down when they look that up. But, um, you know, why not? You know, especially if she's good at it. All right. So one of the scenes that popped up in the Super Bowl spot that was not in the trailer was there was a quick scene that showcased the various bat suits that Batman had. I believe there was a total of at least six in the scene. Um, there was a lot of different suits. It was kind of interesting because um, if you if you do a quick pause, there were seven suits total. Um, when you do a quick pause. There's some suits there that are very, very interesting. There's ones that have uh, gun holsters with pistols. Um, there's ones that have the 66 logo on it. Um, there's a lot of really cool things that popped up in these bat suits. Did you guys see anything that caught your eye? Costume guy was the costume designer was pointing out things, and the 60s logo was actually kind of a interesting thing. And then the blue and gray, I thought was nice. That's something actually want to see in the dcu version of batman when i when all this is said and done is i think it'd be nice to see like that color scheme come back yeah the blue and gray one um stuck out to me it reminded me of the uh the action figure that was my first batman action figure was it a kenner like one or is the batman 89 mold both the blue and gray so that one kind of stuck out to me and i saw the old 89 suit in there i think of the return suit um there was a suit that had like uh, goggles, like a, like uh, goggles on the cowl. So I wonder, maybe we will get, maybe we'll get multiple suits. I don't know, or if that's just uh, a little Easter egg for the fans uh, when he opens up that closet. All right. So based off the trailer, um, let's put it this way: What was your interest level before this trailer, and now what is your interest level out of ten? Interest level. Okay, so it's been a wild ride. When they first announced this movie, my interest level was like 10, and then it dropped to zero, and now I think it's at a 1. Put put me at a 9.4. I'm, re- I'm ready. Let's go. So I would say when the when the film first got announced, I was probably sitting at like maybe a 5 or a 6. Um, when we learned that Keaton was going to be in it, it bumped up a little bit to like maybe a 7. But then as time progressed, kind of like with the downfall of like the DC films as a whole and just kind of like everything having its, it being like the wild, wild West where there was stuff happening. You're kind of questioning what's going on. What, why is this involved? Why is this here? Why is birds of prey happening the way it is happening? The interest level and like the overall tone of what was expected just was like, I don't know that I even care anymore. I don't really feel like anybody's really paying attention to the way they should for these characters. So I probably was sitting at like a four after the Ezra Miller stuff and kind of the sequence of events that led us to Warner Brothers Discovery. I was probably sitting at like a two because I was just like, what's what's the point at this point? Uh, this trailer bumps it back up to like a six or a seven. I'm, I, I still think this is going to be pretty good. Um, I, I'm waiting to see... Like, I, I I can say without certainty, it is not the film that I am probably looking forward to the most this year. 
but I'm still going to see it in theaters. Um, I'm still going to, I'm, you know, like this trailer did a better job of like selling the film than the Shazam trailer did. The Shazam trailer just feels like there's not much to it. And there doesn't need to be that much to it because the film doesn't need to be insanely successful. But the Shazam trailer just fell flat for me. I just felt like they were revealing too much stuff in that trailer. And either there's got to be this big old swerve that there's like a whole, they haven't shown anything from the third act or legitimately we're going to go into that film and know exactly what's happening. But this film, on the other hand, I think that while we assume we know a lot based off of what we've just seen and things we've heard about what's going to be in the film, I still feel like there's a huge chunk that we don't even know. Like we haven't even talked about, and we're not going to get into it this time around, but Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne shows up, but there's also a couple of sequences where Ben Affleck is obviously playing Batman and he's wearing a blue and gray costume and he's fighting regardless of where it is. We don't know when it's taking place, but he's fighting as Batman. And it makes me think that like, there could be a chance that either in the beginning of the film, Batman, Ben Affleck's Batman is, you know, got a new costume. He's showing up or it's some other place in the film that also has him showing up as well. But um, there's, there's, there's cool ideas and things. And I like the, the ability for this film to basically lead into the possibilities of what the DC future can be. I don't know. Like, I could totally see that. I guess I'm like that. Like you know how when your cat jumps on the table and there's a bunch of stuff and it knocks everything off. <laughs> like that's kind of where I'm at. Is I like we can't get to the new stuff fast enough for me. Like I am good to knock everything off the slate. Let's just go. It's no, but hey whatever like it's you know and like the shazam trailer i kind of agree on like it seems like well if the shazam trailer comes off as we don't know what to do we're gonna throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and here's wonder woman enjoy and you know knowing what we know about the whole rock thing with black adam and not wanting to be in a shazam movie and apparently hating shazam like kind of makes it sadder to where it's like this is what we got, but in an alternate reality, we got our Shazam versus, you know, black our Captain Marvel versus black Adam movie. So, you know, I'm just kind of patiently waiting for the next two to three years. Well, I just quickly, that the Affleck suit uh, that he's wearing, it's, I like the blue part, but I think the rest of the part kind of looks strange. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. All right, so with that, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to head over to the website for all kinds of news, original content, editorials, reviews, other podcasts, all related to the Batman universe, including aspects of movies, TV, merchandise, video games, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom. Be sure to find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube. All of our social links can be found over at the top of the website, thepatmanverse.net. You can send us an email or leave a comment wherever you are listening to this. Uh, if you're sending us an email, tbu at thebatmanverse.net. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys thought of the Flash trailer. Uh, leave your thoughts and things that you saw in the trailer that really excite you in the comments section. And uh, with all of that being said, be sure to... Um, uh, with all of that being said thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Batman Universe Podcast and we'll see you guys next time